0: Disney's mistakes are costing Star Wars. And get off your iHob high horse. <laughs> this is episode 85 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media.
1: Media Unplugged with Tom Asaka and Mark Ramsey.
0: Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey.
1: And I'm Tom Asaka. The great Tom Asacre, hey, I got that I hob out. It's kind of tough to pronounce, isn't it? I hob, especially when you put I hob high horse. I mean, that's. Yes, that's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll come back to that in a second. Let's talk about Disney. Disney's mistakes are costing Star Wars. This is from a piece you sent me, Tom, from Redef, and uh, a so called Redef original, which, which is when they sit down with a cup of coffee in a Starbucks, spend a couple hours writing a piece that's what it is so here's the idea Star Wars fatigue is a myth but Disney's mistakes were real costly and avoidable that's the the essence of the uh, piece and what they're responding to is the disappointing take for the solo uh spinoff right uh, from the F- Star Wars franchise disappointing according to you know a- expectations I should add because if it were about some you know the Florida project it would be like huge <laughs> but because it's so low, it's not so huge.
1: Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> you better edit that, edit that story. one out, Jeff. <laughs> edit what one out? Oh, you didn't understand the pun because it was so low? Ah, uh, see? You don't even know. This stuff just no, flows even, out of you now. It just <laughs>
0: flows out of me. Okay. So, Star Wars fatigue is a myth because that's one of the theories that people have been floating, obviously, that... You know, people are, there's too much Star Wars. I think this movie was out in something like six months after the last. And, um, and the point the piece makes is that, yeah, but what about Marvel fatigue? Uh, what about fatigue with the franchise like Marvel? I mean, I, we don't seem to see that kind of fatigue hmm. there, um, which I think is interesting Although somehow I don't feel like I feel like the premise of this piece is flawed, Tom.
1: I don't know. I, I was going to defer to you on this one because, I, like, I'm I'm a bit older, so I'm more of a Star Trek fan, and <laughs> but I went and checked the box office numbers before before we got on this call, and it shows for Solo, three hundred and seventy million worldwide, mm-hmm. domestic two hundred and eight million, foreign one hundred and sixty-two million. Now. This is after less than two months after the release, mm-hmm. right? They're at 370 million, and the budget was 275. I would love to just fool around creating, you know, like movies and make a 100 million in the first two months. I, maybe there's something wrong with me.
0: <laughs> well, you know, what you're not seeing there is all the uh, marketing expense, all the money it took to put this movie in front of people that isn't part of the original budget.
1: How and much, what that's do you think that that's why is? big number
0: yeah well it's a big enough such that this movie lost money um which is a big deal for this movie to lose money so i mean the thinking was well people are tired of it i i i think there is some truth to that thinking despite what this article argues that it's really all about disney's mistakes and by the way disney's mistakes here as uh, outlined here are just tremendous um I mean, it, it talks about rushing the franchises. It talks about. I'm not going to
1: read it. In oh, detail, firing but, directors. And- yeah, they
0: fired a slew of directors. <laughs> uh, they the they were writing. They 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 were writing franchise B before franchise A was done so then franchise B there may not have been a clear connection of franchise A I mean it just it, the, it just wasn't an organic whole it wasn't as they the artists like to say the product of one singular creative vision uh-huh. uh, because to the if you if you believe in this kind of thing Kevin Feige over at Marvel is kind of the creative centerpiece of everything that spins out of that cinematic universe. And there seems to be no similar thing at, at, uh, on the uh, Lucasfilm side. So the point was that it's not so much that people are tired of it because look what happens with Marvel. It's that Disney made all these mistakes. They're rushing these things out. They're not giving it enough time. They're not allowing... They're not, there's no centrality of creative vision. And it's just kind of sloppy... Storytelling and people are just running to the cash register as fast as they can because they're Disney and they can get away with it and they can throw enough money on it. And by the way, these movies, by all accounts, are good. It's just that they're somehow inherently less interesting. I do think that despite all that, if the movies are good, Tom, mm. if people are responding favorably to the movies and still there are fewer people going to the movies, what can that be other than fatigue? Well, I mean, you can't you can't blame Disney for screwing up uh, the storyline, the distribution platform, whatever. If in fact the movies are scoring well in terms of popular appeal, just not scoring well at the box office, that tells me that I just simply don't need to go.
1: I don't know. Look, I, I've got a theory. I want you to help me with this crazy theory I have. Again, this is coming from a Star Trek fan. So, but mm-hmm. all right. So these. So the whole Star Wars story series, the franchise, I mean, it's driven by fans, right? Sure. Okay. So it strikes me that this could stem from, let's call it character and plot incoherence. Stick with me. So storytelling franchises are built around an audience's relationships with the characters. Right? Mm -hmm. Look at any popular series, television, right? So it's their personalities, their dynamics, their challenges. We don't really care. Give us a new challenge, but please keep our characters and their relationships together, especially Mm -hmm. the hero, right? Captain Mm -hmm. Kirk. Let Mm -hmm. us have our hero. Who is the hero in this Star Wars story series? because I can tell you if they did a if I as a Star Trek fan, if somebody created this movie and it was called Ohora uh, or, Sc- or Scotty we're, we're not going. We might we're just going to wait for it to come to TV. Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you're saying there is such a thing as a supporting character. Yeah. And not only that, but I would add that okay, Solo is arguably one of the most important characters in the Star Wars universe, but Solo the Harrison Ford solo is the one I'm talking about. Now we've got some new guy playing a much younger version of Solo with a bunch of characters, some of whom we've met before with different actors right. generations ago, many of whom are brand new. And that's, I think, one of the challenges with this Star Wars uh, Star Wars universe is that there are just so many new characters all the time. That's it. And as as this article points out, some of them are very important in one movie, and then they die in the next. <laughs> exactly. Without, so their importance is kind of not... Thought through there's no thread of importance from one movie to the next, and um, but again, all of that may contribute to lack of interest. I still come back to that here's the other thing that occurs to me about this that I think is so interesting: The desire people have to explain um, what happens
1: <laughs>
0: with whatever frame they can muster of course I've, I've always thought it was funny how the you know a Hollywood reporter, for example, will say five reasons why Solo bombed at the box office, but they will only publish that article the day Solo bombs at the box <laughs> office when you would think if there are five reasons,
1: those reasons would have been clear the day before Solo no, opened, no, right? No, Mark, this is this is the nature of what people do. Look at the Bible. It was written by four guys, you know, hundreds of years later about what happened, and they all had different opinions. So... <laughs> <laughs> This is this is just what people do.
0: Uh, my Catholic upbringing requires me not to have heard what you just said, Tom. Okay, good. You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. It's time to get off that IHOP high horse. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, IHOP, and we discussed this on the last episode. Oh, I know IHOP was the uh, the the ad campaign that. Flip the 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 P and IHOP to a B to symbolize something that would be released soon, and that something turned out to be a new line of burgers. Because breakfast business is fine, but it's not good all day. And <laughs> IHOP wants to be in the burger business, so you know, let's cue Droga Five and let's get some exciting advertising going here. So um, we made fun of it. Everybody made fun of it. Um, their competitors made fun of it, and then out comes this piece in Medium, which I just loved because it's called <laughs> yeah. Get Off Your Hob High Horse, making the, making it even harder, how your Twitter snark helped the burger campaign work. And I, I'm gonna let you kind of rant <laughs> on this in a second, but I just thought it was so elegant to be reminded that indeed the quality of any kind of advertising campaign for any product should be the degree to which it actually moves product.
1: Oh but he didn't he didn't say that in that article. He said that the only goal of a campaign like IHOB is to scream, hey, check out this new thing at people.
0: You're actually right. I mean I, I it's funny because I took the leap from that to sales.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's
0: probably a mistake because I do think he's right insofar as attention leads to sales, because there's no question, I think, that in this world, especially, you know, the idea that, hey, here's something else you should pay attention to. Um, And I say, give me a better reason than that. And then all my competitors chime in and say, look what a fool this person is. And then I'm driving down the road. I'm hungry. It's six o'clock at night. I drive by the IHOP and I remember that they have burgers and I don't remember that Wendy's uh, tweeted that uh, diss at them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's
1: legitimate, right? Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds right. This is the, this is the thing about the mind. I mean, it sounds right. So that's what we're doing right though, is all these advertising companies are, are dragging horses down to the water and none of them are drinking. And this, and the problem with that right, is, that's right. And, and here's the problem. So yes. Okay. Awareness is critical, right? The horse has to be down by the water. But it's a more nuanced job than that. And I'll tell you, I just don't think they want to do it. And that's why he's writing this. And somebody in Talent Zoo wrote something about, about IHOP. They liked it, too. But this, mm-hmm. hey, check this out. You know, check out. What does that mean? Check it out. What do you have to do exactly to check it out? So let's say I, re- I, say, I see all these tweets. Now what? Mm-hmm. I either have to go somewhere for more information which would have been really smart, some kind of persuasive storytelling about why this is a great burger, what people are looking for in a burger. Eventually, I've got to go to IHOP and order one of these burgers and eat it, because that's what creates belief, word of mouth, repeat business. Okay, but, but let me challenge you on that
0: because, all right, so um, eventually, uh, you know, go somewhere for more information, but why? Because I already have the desire. My desire is my appetite. My desire is my passion for burgers. Yeah, yeah. I, drive, I drive by the IHOP all the time. I just don't view that, a burger frame around IHOP. I don't view a dinner frame around IHOP. This is
1: what I'm telling you, though. Look, let's say, so there's a difference. Part of their job would be to try to understand how to engage people, right? How to turn on their feelings for the thing that you're selling as well so that, right. they, so that they can see the value of it, right? And this was the problem. They didn't even think about context. They didn't think about who are these people that were trying to get to have a burger. Because I'm going to tell you, what you just said is if you have a passion for burgers, you're going to go burger, five guys, in and out, shake shack. You're not going IHOP. Right. It's not happening unless you're lost someplace on a highway and you're starving. And then you see IHOP. Oh, Jesus, they got burgers. Let me go in there.
0: Yeah, but you, you, your, your premise is you want to go from zero to 60, and mine is I want to go from
1: zero to 10. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't mind the zero to 10 or zero to 60. <laughs> what I'm saying is, okay, tell me why I should go try this burger. Is it a big, fat, juicy burger that's never been frozen? Is it made from pure grass-fed cows and buffalo? I, I mean, tell me something. But for, to make the leap from, hey, you see this pancake place you've been going your whole life? Yeah, they make better burgers than five guys. That's too much of a leap. Nobody's given me any information.
0: Well, I guess the real question is, will in fact it work? It, it worked on the attention front, but will it get people into the restaurant? I, I, I get your point. I think what they're, the, the way they try to address it is by some of those IHOP ads. I mean, the thing about a burger is that its merits are on display visually, right? Right, right. Um, and you can take a look at a burger and say, that's a substantial burger compared to the one I get from McDonald's, right? right. Yep. And, and it was. If you look at those ads for IHOP, the IHOP ads, those were substantial-looking burgers at a place where you just— you li- I mean, if I were to ask you before that campaign, do they have burgers on the menu at IHOP? You would probably tell me, I don't know.
1: Look, we got a chain out here' friendlies and 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 it's like big breakfast place, and they make yeah. great burgers too. The problem isn't whether or not these people can make a hamburger. The problem is how many hamburger places there are. they're everywhere. I google hamburgers just to see what would pop up in my zip code. They're mm-hmm. everywhere, and they're all promising you know quality and and the best beef and so All I'm saying is give us some kind of cue to value. Are you telling me that this is a, uh, I I don't know, some pure burger or or for the price I get something else with it or... Well, here's my cue to value that I got out of it, and and
0: I think it's summarized in the last last couple of paragraphs of this piece. The quality of the new burgers was not Droga 5's concern. Remember, the ad agency had one job. Let people know IHOP burgers are new and improved. Mm -hmm. Millions of people, you included, now know. All they did was publish some social media posts, update the website, and print some new menus. Wendy's did the rest. So, in other words, the the cue of value came not necessarily or not exclusively from IHOP. It came from Wendy's. It came from their competitors because now their competitors are talking. Because what happens when your competition notices you, Tom? What happens when your competition kind of rationalizes you and, and kind of uh, um, 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 legitimizes you in the space? Well, it lends substance to you. I hear and I think that's what their snarky, you know, again, the, we're talking about snarky millennials at a snarky ad agency working for Wendy's thinking they're being oh so terribly clever when in fact what they're doing is they're legitimizing IHOP as a, as a place you can actually think of with burgers at least for a moment.
1: I'm not dis- <laughs> Listen, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think they didn't go far enough. I think they should have turned on people's appetites, something more about the value. And you know what? They also have to understand. Once people get in their cars, we're overloaded with information and snark and everything else. Now we're driving around and somebody says, hey, let's go get a burger. I'm telling you, Whataburger comes into your head. Five Guys comes into your head. in and out comes into your head. If you're driving by an IHOP, pancakes come into your head. Unless they flip that B you know, in uh, the P into a B on the signs and hang a big picture of some burger out there, then maybe you start going, oh, yeah, burgers, burgers, burgers. But you can't just change overnight from pancakes to burgers and somebody's in mind. No,
0: I, I, I agree with you there. I I guess what I'm arguing is that that there are going to be those burger specialists no matter what IHOP does. And if what IHOP wants to be relevant at other times of the day and, and has a clever way to create some legitimacy you know, some kind of presence in their minds for something yep. at that time of day. It, 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 you know, in the same way as when we, well, I, and the one of the things I'm going to talk about later is, you know, the podcast that I just put out, I'm spending a lot of time doing PR. Mm-hmm. I'm spending a lot of time talking with publications, doing media, and so on. And it's not because there aren't other more famous podcasts out there, Right. I know that those are out there. I know that I'm competing up in an uphill battle against those shows. Yep. But that's the only way I can generate any attention. And attention will lead to sampling and some word of mouth.
1: Ah, this, you know. there it is. There it is. Do you see what you just said that Droga, that Droga 5 wasn't thinking about? What you're doing is great because you're driving attention. All anyone has to do is Google it and they can taste it. That's right. They can't taste this hamburger from IHOP. And nobody did anything to drive people in to taste it. Nobody said the first 1,000 people that come in get a free burger. Nobody's doing anything to drive.
0: Here's an interesting interesting angle that supports what you're saying. I was going to use it as a potential rant or rave, but I've got too many things on the menu. But I will mention it as an aside. There was an article I found about uh, Netflix Stranger Things, and the article was from CNN Money, and it said Stranger Things caused an ego boom. Now <laughs> sales are waffling. <laughs> so this is this is exactly what you're saying. The fact that egos are present in Stranger Things caused a, a sales boom for egos, but now the fact that Stranger Things is essentially between seasons means that. That attention is gone, yep. and that attention didn't lead to any kind of perception or sense of value, right? Exactly. It's not a tastier waffle. It's just the waffle you saw on Stranger Things. So you buy it during Stranger Things. You forget about Stranger Things until the next season. You forget about ego. That's This it. is what you're saying.
1: That's it. That's the difference between today's marketplace and the 1960s marketplace when all these books were written on positioning and marketing and advertising. Mm -hmm. There is so much choice and so much information pouring in constantly that we don't hold on to it unless Mm -hmm. it has some real value and substance to it. And then it sticks up there and we go, okay, I think burger... I like five guys. I, I'm just telling you, that's how it works.
0: I like to use the term artisanal for that. Artisanal <laughs> <the> burger. <laughs> All right, it's time for <laughs> rants and raves, Tom. What do you have this week? Oh, man.
1: Okay, this is, this is one's for you. So I read an article. This is more of a public service announcement. It's not really oh, a, great. R- a rant or a rave. I read an article in the New York Times. It was in the uh, Smarter Living section. And it was titled, Why You Can't Really Trust Negative Online Reviews. And, Mm. yeah, so I said, okay, this is great. I read it. I said, this really puts online reviews into perspective. Because the article starts out by noting that the Great Wall of China has more than 9,000 Google reviews with an average of 4.2 stars. Mm -hmm. But then it lists some of the negative reviews. Here's one. Not very tall or big. just (laughs) Just saying... I kind of liked it, sort of. Here's another one. You'll, you're going to like this next one. I don't see the hype in this place. It's really run down and old. Why wouldn't you update something like this? No, Are u- you kidding? No USB plug-ins or outlets anywhere. And then the article goes on, and, it's, and there's a reviewer on Amazon awarded Shakespeare's Hamlet two stars. And, and he wrote, whoever said Shakespeare was a genius lied. Unless genius is just code word for boring, then they're spot on. So these reviews (laughs) we're seeing here that that we pay so much attention to, why do we pay all this attention to negative reviews? First, because we're frightened creatures and we don't want to make any mistakes, right? right, And we think that these negative reviews somehow have value because they're scarce. So we're saying, oh, let's read these scarce ones because, look, they have information about what might go wrong. Mm -hmm, But but here's mm -hmm. the thing. The credibility of all of these reviews, even the real ones, it's questionable. There was a study in 2016 by the Journal, uh, Journal of Consumer Research, and they, what they did is they looked at all these online reviews to see if they reflected the objective quality as rated by consumer reports. No correlation. So No correlation? No correlation, or very, very little. So here's the thing. Don't obsess over these online reviews. It doesn't matter. If you're a creator and you're receiving them, don't obsess it. If you're reading them to help you make a decision, don't waste too much time and mental energy. If you mm-hmm. absolutely must check to relieve whatever anxiety and tension you're experiencing right before you buy the $3 book, look at popularity. Skip the five stars and one stars. Read the ones with three stars, and they'll give you like mm-hmm. more straightforward, less emotional you know, content. They'll give you some detailed information about what they liked and didn't. Now... Speaking of creations, I want to congratulate you on the release and the growing accolades for your great piece of storytelling (laughs) inside Jaws. And I'm going to tell you, right prior to getting on here, I read, this is a tweet, and it said that Jaws is the most American 4th of July movie because mm-hmm. it's the one in which an elected official acting on behalf of business interests allows several of his constituents to be eaten alive by a problem he was warned about.
0: <laughs> That's great. I could have used that in the series. That's terrific. That is true. How much of it have you heard so far, by the way? Oh,
1: I listened to a little bit, the first one. I love it.
0: The, the first episode yeah. you heard? Yeah. All right. Um yeah, it's um it's funny you talk about reviews because I have you know, of course, I, I look at you know, yeah, I know you Apple do. <laughs> reviews are awful, right? Because, first of all, they're almost there's a, there's a tendency for everything to get a five star or four and a half star average uh, right off the bat. Yep. But the other thing is, there's one in there that I, I, there's, oh, I always find them so funny. I'd never take any of them seriously. Good. P- positive <laughs> or negative. But there was one that said, oh, the ads, they interrupt the flow of the storytelling <laughs> and the ad. And I thought, you know what? You actually thought it was easier. To get on and write a negative post than it was to simply skip the ads. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why, why not just skip the ads rather than spend twice as, three times as much time, all that time you would have, you know, recovered? <laughs> By writing this <laughs> review, it just seems like where do you get, you know. I elect the Great just, Wall's
1: not that big. This is what I'm trying to tell you.
0: I know the Great Wall's <laughs> not that big. It's perfect. All right. I have, a, I have a couple. First of all, yes, thank you for the uh, log rolling. The, the, the podcast you're talking about is uh, Inside Jaws. We just released it, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, it spent some time at number two. On the Apple Podcast charts, that's which pretty, is uh, that's great. pretty damn good. It's um, seven uh, episodes. It's doing fabulous. It's been written up in the wrap. I've gotten, gosh, last weekend. I don't think I sent them to you. I had a three or four uh, posts on the wrap. The rap also picked it. It wraps a Hollywood publication as one of the uh, series to listen to this summer. Um, we've got, I think, uh, three or four episodes in the wild right now. Good. We're heading uh, towards seven and. I tell you, I've got to get you the full series because when you get to the end of seven, um, it's really going to make a special impact on you, I think. It really. I, I'm finding the people who get all the way through have a whole different understanding of it than the people who don't. So I'm anxious for you to hear that. Well, so I like the other ones, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, please, have everybody, listen to Inside Jaws. I think you'll like it. InsideJaws.com, uh, you'll find it. Um, okay, so a couple of, uh, I don't know, rant raves. I don't know what the heck these are. But here's the first one. The Onion versus Facebook. Uh Uh-oh. With traffic falling, editor begs readers to click the effing link. What? (laughs) Now, you would think that The Onion would have more of a sense of humor than this, but evidently when you're, you know... Things are getting tough, huh? (laughs) Yeah, when when your survival is challenged... Funny people get serious fast. So, and The Onion has had a hard time in the world of Facebook. And The Onion, of course, blames Facebook, which I think is utterly absurd. (laughs) Tom, you and I are to blame, okay? If The Onion is every bit as good as it ever has been, you and I are still to blame. You and I and everyone else who ever uses Facebook are to blame. It's we who use Facebook. It's not Mark Zuckerberg who uses Facebook, although he may. It's me and you. He may not. It's it's the rest it's the you know, the billions of the rest of us who are at fault here. And the fact that the onion for all its merits, which are many, is non essential, right? And if we're gonna do something (laughs) non essential, increasingly we're doing it on Facebook. (laughs) So I I don't think it makes sense for him to be so critical. Now that said, there have been a bunch of really funny things that they've done. Uh, although not nearly as funny when you realize that they're out of desperation rather than, you know, comic ingenuity. <laughs> but here are some of their dispatches. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg insists anyone with same skewed values and unrelenting thirst for power could have made same mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> here's another one. Mark Zuckerberg recalls coming up with the idea for Facebook after seeing dopamine-addicted lab rats starve to death. Oh, man. And here's the third. We must protect the pure Aryan bloodline, says Child, after nine minutes of unsupervised Facebook access. <laughs> 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 They're all funny. But look, honestly, it's funny. they'd be funnier on Facebook.
1: Look, it's, it's, look, we said it. It's funny. Just like IHOPs, Burgess are probably good. It's the amount of choice out there, right? Of course, so, of course. So so, listen to Mark's effing podcast and buy my effing book, for God's sake. That's <laughs> it, exactly.
0: You said it. I didn't. One last thing that I want to touch on. This is kind of a, I don't know. I don't even, I don't want to go into too much depth on this because it'll get me into trouble. But here's the headline from one of the radio oh, publications. Oh, we already in trouble, huh? I know. Well, this is this is even more. Entercom uh, shifts digital audio from TuneIn to its own Radio. dot com. Let me give you some backdrop. So TuneIn, as you know, is a big app that has tons of radio stations and original programming yep. available on mobile. And uh, Radio. dot com is a site that you've probably never heard of. Nope. That uh, has access to now all of Entercom's uh, radio stations and presumably uh, some other stuff and original content that they're creating, I suppose. So. Radio So what they want, though, they look at iHeartRadio, I presume with some, uh, some, some desire, and they say, can't we do this, too, because we're also big. So um, the strategy is to, and this is, I mean, this is an example of we have a strategy, to, we have a force of will that will create a ripple in the universe, regardless of what you, Joe and Jane Consumer, think about anything. Okay, so they've removed all their radio stations from TuneIn and they're going to put them on uh, uh, Radio.com because I don't know if you can name an intercom station offhand, but just so in case you can't, it's not there anymore on TuneIn. Okay, so that's problem number one uh, by early August. One of the benefits of our scale and the quality of our brands and content is the ability to compete effectively in the rapidly growing digital audio sector. As the nation's number one creator of live original audio content with a lineup of 235 outstanding stations and the country's unrivaled leader in news and sports radio, we have assets no other company can match in an enviable reach of over, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? You can hear where I'm going. I know. So um, what they want to do is they want to make this Radio.com thing a destination, a portal, if you will, using a word that's easily 10 to 15 years out of date. Um, uh, Even though iHeartRadio itself, their primary... Presumed competitor is far behind Pandora and Spotify in terms of listening, so it's a huge uphill battle. But here's the quote: "That we want to make it a daily habit for many millions of Americans." Hmm. We're committed to making radio to come a leader in the digital audio space. We've added a number of leaders over the next several months. We'll be lo- rolling out new product features, distribution partners, advanced advertising products, and other improvements to enrich the user experience. So, Tom, what's the reason? Here's the test after you heard that. I don't know. So. Why should you go to radio.com? Tell me.
1: No, I don't even understand this. I mean <laughs> No, it's it I can understand like some of these things we talked about in the past um, where Amazon was going to do this exclusive deal with Best Buy that you can only get their TV or whatever it was there. But that has to mean that the thing that you're going to get is exclusive. Right. W- right? I mean isn't most of <laughs> isn't most of their product non-exclusive?
0: Um, their talk product
1: would be exclusive. somewhat
0: exclusive. Their sports product would be somewhat exclusive. Their music product would be largely non-exclusive. So the
1: sports, right. their sports and talk are only going to be available on Radio.com, not on satellite, not on... It. That's what I understand. But again, I, I look, bottom line is
0: this. We are not in a world where the strategy to success is to limit people's access to oh, you know i
1: get it and listen i like i said unless you have something compelling that you can move people to a particular platform or store then you you it's crazy imagine what could possibly happen to their ratings if people don't jump over here well the, since the
0: ratings mostly come from over the air this is largely insulated from that uh, this, is, this is all about digital uh, consumption. but And I don't doubt that there's not much digital consumption going on. So but that, that, I just I, 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 where, what makes me puzzled about it is that I know in the podcast space, you want your content to be available on as many no, platforms as possible yeah. because yeah. even if it's available on every single platform in the universe, it may still not get any consumption. No, I because know. Because it's not just about distribution. It's also about need to listen. It's about yep. the magnet of listening. It's about my desire to tune you in wherever you are. Irrespect. And if you're going to make that process more difficult for me, you're going to make the whole, you're, you're going to diminish your listening overall.
1: You know how you can tell that? Uh, I mean, think about this. You're running some business and you got tons of sales. I'm using sales as opposed to listeners or listens. Mm-hmm. Tons of sales. At these different places, stores, and you decide to pull your product from all of those stores and throw them someplace uh, exclusively someplace else, people would freak out if you did that. So this move pretty much tells you what kind of listenership they were getting over on TuneIn, because they well, it, right, and and it also I think again
0: there's a there's a uh, there's a big media arrogance about it the idea that we can move ears because we're us, you know? You, what you want, listeners, irrelevant. We're gonna move ears to wherever we want because we're us. And I submit that that's not realistic. And if that were true, then Amazon would only sell Amazon devices online and not not in stores. Or it would only sell their devices in Whole Foods and not at Best Buy. You know where I'm going. Oh, now.
1: listen! If that were true, then what would happen? Would Barnes and Noble would go to these top authors and pay them millions to have the books That's exclusively true. in the in Barnes and Noble?
0: That's true. And the authors would say what?
1: The no, I'm not doing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: By the way, that really hasn't even happened to any great degree in the music industry, right? No, I mean, uh, it, 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 other than the uh, the, the Jay Z thing title, which you know is is kind of a notorious fail. The, there's really virtually no abjectly exclusive content in the podcast space. There are largely early. Uh, access. You can get early, you can you can pay for early access to a particular show, but then that access becomes widely available after a certain point. So even there, it's not exclusive.
1: I just don't think people understand the power of habit. I mean, it is to try to get somebody to break a habit. You know, to say, "Oh, don't listen to the podcast on that iTunes." You know, go over here. I, I'm telling you, it's it. Uh, people don't realize, right, because of choice.
0: Right? Because of choice in time. Right. This is one of the conversations I had. You know, we're rolling out these episodes of Inside Jaws, one a week for six weeks, basically. The first week was uh, two episodes. And, um, you know, in an ideal world, we put them all out at once. That way you can binge them. Yep. That way, you know, you're guaranteed number one rank. You can binge them. It'd probably stay in the top ten for a long time. Everyone would be able to get to the end on their own timeline. But, uh, you know, the reality is that commercially that doesn't make as much sense. Right. Uh, but you know, it's one thing to make a decision knowing that it's going to cost you for other reasons. It's another thing to make a decision thinking you're doing the right thing. I agree with you. <laughs> That's media unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher while you're there. Please rate the show, but don't give us a low rating and tell <laughs> us we're too Just small give us, or too give old. Give us a
1: three. Yeah, give us a, that's
0: great advice, Tom. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at Art 19, Radio Inc., Media Village, and Google Podcasts. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag MediaUnplugged. And if there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. Catch up on older episodes that are, I'm sorry, vintage episodes vintage. at our website, mediaunplug.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media MediaUnplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio from media. I almost did it again. I know. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.